following programming has been made possible in part by the generous support of BITS, Blind Information Technology Specialists. An affiliate of the American Council of the Blind, BITS provides career development for computer professionals. For over 50 years, BITS has been on the forefront of industry, promoting and advocating on information access and technology that improves the quality of life for people who are blind and visually impaired. Learn more about BITS programs and how to become a member by visiting their website at www.bits-acb.org. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hi, I'm Katie Lear. I am the host tonight for your Community Employment Committee call. I'd like to do some housekeeping rules, and then we'll turn it over to Sarah. To mute and unmute, it's a toggle. On your PC, it's Alt-A. On your Mac, it's Command-Shift-A. On your app, it's going to be in the lower left-hand corner. And on your iPhone, it's going to be star six. And when you have a question, you're going to want to raise your hand. And to raise your hand, it's a, again, it's a toggle. On your, on your PC, it's going to be Alt-Y. On your Mac, it's Option-Y. On your app, it's going to be in the lower right-hand corner. And you'll tap on the More button and then pick Raise Hand. Um, and then on your landline, it's going to be star nine. Okay, Sarah, it's all yours. Thank you so much, Katie. Welcome, everyone. Um, thank you so much for uh, sharing with us one of your very most precious assets, and that's your time. Um, my name is Sarah Freeman Smith, and I, along with my co-facilitator, I'm going to allow her to introduce herself shortly, uh, our members of the employment uh, committee of uh, American Council of the Blind, and we are definitely excited that uh, you've decided to attend to learn something about uh, the contingency workforce. So I'm going to let Miranda introduce herself and tell a little bit about her background, and then I'll take it from there and start, and then we'll basically, we're going to give you some information, but don't worry, we will start uh, stop and allow for some questions. Um, and uh, if hopefully we'll have enough time to um, cover anything as it, as it relates to uh, the topic. So just uh, jot your questions down and, and uh, wait for us to open it up and then you can ask those questions. Okay. So Miranda, you want to uh, introduce yourself and tell a little bit about your background and then I'll do the same and then just kind of give a general overview about contingency and then kind of go from there. Sure. Thank you so much, Sarah. Um, I appreciate this opportunity to be able to come and share with all of you this evening. Um, so I am a recent um, and, and new um, member um, of the ACB Employment Committee. I am a graduate student pursuing my master's of social work with a clinical specialization and certificate in trauma-informed care. And I currently work um, as a contract employee, as an emotional support specialist. Great. And now, Miranda, you're on the East Coast, right? That is correct. I'm in the state of Virginia. Okay, great. Well, I am in uh, Texas, as a matter of fact, Houston, and um, I am uh, legally blind, low vision, uh, and I lost my vision probably mid-career um, and have been blind, legally blind for about the last 15 years. 
And I have an extensive human resources background. As a matter of fact, I've had, uh, I started my human resources career working in the staffing uh, firm industry. I've worked for retained uh, search firms where we found executive level uh, uh, employees for major corporations. And then I've managed uh, both a contingency as well as staffing agency for about 12 years before transitioning into the private sector and going to work for several major uh, in a recruiting manager type role. And then I left the corporate world about five years ago and started doing contract work. So um, I think both Miranda and I can give you some firsthand uh, information and some tips on uh, how to successfully navigate the uh, contingency workforce. So for some of you, if this is a term you're not familiar with, it, it can have a variety of titles, but it can be uh, essentially a contingency worker is someone who is not considered uh, a full-time or a part-time employee of a company. In other words, that person oftentimes will not uh, have any benefits unless that is a part of a special kind of sidebar negotiation. So this person typically uh, will come in and do either project work or fill in work for an employee who's out on a leave. Uh, it also could be utilizing a, an individual and in a consulting capacity where a company uh, really does have uh, a need for some outside expertise, but not necessarily as a full-time staff person. Uh, it can be a freelancer. A lot of companies are upgrading and modifying, you know, uh, social media sites, websites, and the frequency of having that done sometimes does not justify putting that workload on a full-time employee. So that could be something of a contingency role that they create. So it basically allows companies to still get uh, project work done, but not have the uh, cumbersome burden of having to pay the employee benefits and taxes and all of those things, as well as managing payroll and things of that nature. That is typically done either by the staffing firm organization or the actual individual who's you know freelancing or contracting themselves. But what I find uh, having done this for so long, so many people are not aware that this is somewhat of a, I like to call it <clears throat> a side door, not a back door, but a side door into getting uh, work uh, with a company. And oftentimes it is a little easier and less threatening to companies simply because it's kind of like being able to lease with an option to buy. So if it turns out that the individual can't uh, keep up the pace or the quality of work is not as good, you know, they can pick up, the company can pick up the phone and call and say, hey, you know, Sarah's been here a week, but at this time, uh, we don't think we will need uh, her to return next week. We, we're, we're fine. Sometimes they won't even give you a reason. They could just simply say, could you just inform Sarah that um, we will not be needing her, you know, as of you know, this afternoon when she leaves or tomorrow, that sort of thing. Uh, on, on the other hand, it goes both ways. Sarah could go, you know what, this is a bunch of crazy people and I don't think I'm enjoying working here. Then I would call my staffing firm and say, hey, I really need 
this Friday to be my last day. I'm just not enjoying the work here. It's not what I thought it would be. So uh, I want to um, make uh, a gracious exit. And so the staffing firm would make contact to the employer, say, Sarah's got something else and we're going to replace her with someone else. So that's how it allows companies a lot of times that flexibility. As a matter of fact, um, when I did a little research, at least 10% of the workforce, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics uh, under the Department of Labor, consists of contingency workers. And guess what? That number was back in 2017. Don't have an idea. I'm thinking that we'll come out with an updated one probably sometime later this year. And I would be safe to guess that that 10% has gone up uh, significantly since the pandemic because of the fact that so many individuals uh, were laid off, but many of them have been brought back, but in a contingency capacity. In other words, companies are saying, we don't have the same amount of work we had a year ago, but we're starting to ramp up. So can you come back on a you know, contingency, temporary contract type role. And as things picks up, then maybe in three months, we can bring you on with all the benefits, that sort of thing. So it leaves the opportunity to uh, uh, negotiate and leaves it open for both parties. So that's why it's a plus. However, if you're not sure that companies are utilizing temp firms, I cannot think of in, in my 25 year history, uh, of any company not at some point maybe needing uh, some help from a contingency basis, whether they wanted to make the investment and do that is another thing. But anything from the federal government uses temporaries. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, when the PPP program, the uh, payroll protection program was uh, rolled out, so many supporting governmental agencies When you have that much money and you're distributing it to consumers, you can imagine the regular staff couldn't handle it. So they had to immediately go to some of their temporary staffing firms and say, hey, we need temporary, you know, loan processors, you know, uh, you know, auditors and all kinds of, you know, uh, individuals to process that volume of documentation. And uh, there's numerous uh, entities that uh, had to employ that anywhere from IRS to the Small Business Administration to um, others, GSA, General Services Administration, because then when you become a temporary with the federal government, you still have to go through some background checks, processing, you know, uh, if certain roles have a security clearance, things of that nature. So it becomes a little bit more intense, but essentially from the federal government, state government, city, county, even down to the mom and pop person, because guess what? What if someone gets ill or someone goes out on a maternity leave? You can't really, you don't need to hire someone full time, but I just need someone to fill in while that person takes care of whatever their uh, particular issue. So the main thing is to be able to become an investigative reporter to learn who the company works with. So if you as an individual are looking to work in a contingency capacity and wonder who that temp agency is, then the best thing, and it's an easy answer, is to contact anyone in human resources and ask, who do you contract with for your contract, temporary, or contingent, you know, workforce. And most of the time, most companies will have multiple vendors because they can't put all their eggs in one basket. They may have a primary vendor, but they'll have several others. 
that are, you know, backups because in a perfect world, they may not be able to find that ideal match. There are staffing agencies that specialize in certain fields. Uh, for in instance, a Robert Half International is known to staff uh, finance and accounting individuals, one of the world's largest uh, staffing firms. So uh, then you'll have someone like Kelly Services, who's across the whole board. They can do very general clerical administrative, but they have a very strong uh, uh, professional or technical services group, uh, especially they can provide people that work uh, in a lab. And my son, when he graduated from college with his chemistry degree, started out, he was placed in a company as a uh, temporary lab uh, individual and was ultimately hired full-time by that company after about five or six months. So um, you can go all the way across the board uh, in a variety of roles that uh, can be on a contract temporary staffing role. So that's one aspect. And Another very unforgotten one that uh, I I think that Miranda would like uh, to share is don't forget volunteer work. Uh, You can do volunteer work in a company and very few companies do I know that unless just from background checks or proprietary, you know, um, uh, or intellectual property issues would not be open to considering having someone volunteer and work for them. The the main factor, I think, is you need to know what your skill set is, know what you're willing to do, and know how long you're willing to offer those services to to give an employer an opportunity to get exposed to what you can do. And I can specifically recall back uh, about 15, 20 years ago, someone coming to me and um, when I interviewed them for a position, we uh, selected a different individual, but that person expressed interest. They really wanted to come to work for our company and said, would we be willing to consider them as a uh, volunteer uh, in an unpaid, somewhat of an unpaid internship role in human resources, because it was an HR type role that we were uh, considering the person for. And at the time we didn't have a role. And, but the reason we were thinking we might could use that person is we knew we were going to be upgrading our system from one, you know, um, in-house software to a larger kind of, uh, proprietary type, uh, database program. So we were going to be doing a lot of file conversions and that's an extra workload, but it, it hadn't been approved yet, but we kept that in the back of our mind. And about three months later, or not three months, uh, probably about a month later, we contacted the person to see if they would be interested in doing this volunteer project for uh, a couple of weeks. And they negotiated. We didn't tell them, we need you eight hours. They said, hey, I can do four hours uh, a day for three days a week uh, for the next couple of weeks and um, show you, you know, kinds of things that I can do. And as it turned out, we were able to hire that person in a temporary role for about nine months until we actually rolled the system out. And guess what? When that system was complete, that person had justified a new role within HR and we were able to hire them on board full time. So it started from an unpaid role into a contract paid temporary role and then on to a full time role. So um, I'm going to turn it over to Miranda. But before I do that, uh, I know I talked about staffing firms uh, and oh, I, I should 
uh, stress that there are national firms, obviously, like I mentioned, Robert Half, Kelly Services, ADECO, uh, Manpower, all of those are are companies that have uh, offices all across the U.S. But I would urge you to Google local top-rated staffing firms in your uh, particular community because they could be very prevalent in major cities, but let's say if you're in a smaller uh, town, they may not have an office. So I would uh, definitely be safe to say that even a small community will have some type of a contingency uh, a staffing firm because not only will they use them in an office capacity, but uh, you get temps in a manufacturing and in, in you know more of an, uh, an industrial kind of production capacity. There is a ton of temporary office workers. As a matter of fact, Amazon, the vast majority of their workforce is contingency workers. Those are not full-time employees of Amazon. So uh, just in order to kind of find out who is top rated in your community, that uh, the best thing is to just ask around as well as kind of do some Google searching. So um, I will stop here and ask Katie uh, to allow to see if anyone has any raised hands. If not, then we'll transition over to Miranda telling her uh, story. Dan has his hand up. Hello. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. This is Ann. I have a question. Um, are, sure. Would any of those jobs be work from home virtual absolutely. jobs? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, again, uh, contacting the staffing firm and asking them um, if they in fact have uh jobs are working for companies that have been earmarked remote. As a matter of fact, I can tell you during the pandemic, just about most of the governmental jobs, both federal, state, and local, even though they read the the jobs were initially posted in a brick and mortar or in a building, the vast majority were uh, then put into a remote capacity with a to-be-determined timeframe to say, this role may require you to come in. The good news about that is right now, most companies are trying to reconfigure floor plans because again, if most companies had cubicles and I used to work in a cubicle and I was in HR and we had to go to huddle rooms because you were right on top of each other. And if you sneezed, your neighbor would hand you the tissue. It was just so thin. I mean, it was, you could hear everything. So they can't go and say, everybody come back shoulder to shoulder. I think they're just trying to reconfigure to kind of at least give a somewhat semblance of some spacing. Would it be something a blind person could do? Oh, absolutely. Oh, I mean, if you are, um, I'm, I'm legally blind and almost to the point that I was trained on jaws. I'm, I'm about a minute from having to use it. My vision has diminished over the years. I I started out with just, you know, a magnifier and screen reader, but my, Mm. I, currently doing a contract recruiting role right now where I have to review tons of resumes. I interview people online. I am doing constant writing. I have the luxury of working remote, but I have in the past gone into the office and had my same screen reader tools. So that does not prohibit you. It's the skill sets, what you bring to the table and what you want to do. We'll also talk about how if you don't want to go through a temporary agency, you just want to kind of be a freelancer. There's a whole new side that you can do that and that you can also do from home as well. But no, there are jobs that uh, are earmarked to work uh, remote from home. And another uh, place to look for 
jobs that uh, may very well be contingency is called flexjobs.com. And what flexjobs does is they vet companies because, you know, there's a lot of sham uh, uh, shysters out there and, and mm-hmm. you know, and you want to make sure that you're getting a, a company legit. Now, obviously, if you see a Fortune 500 company and they will obviously identify themselves, that's legitimate. But what flex job does is these are flexible jobs. They could be part time. They could be project based. They could be all remote. They could be hybrid remote, partly come in the office part, uh, you know, work remote, that sort of thing. But all those jobs are vetted by the companies. You know, um, the details of thorough job description and you just simply pay a monthly fee if you apply to the job. In other words, you can look and search their web based uh, site all the time until you find a job that you say, hey, I want to work. Then you just go and look at the plan. I, I, they may even have a weekly plan uh, the last time I checked. Uh, but it's it's a reasonable amount, but it gives you an opportunity to know that I'm submitting this to Chase and I know it's a legitimate company. And so they've done that vetting. So uh, that's another a good source where you can use remote, virtual, any of those kind of keywords when you're searching to want to work remote. Okay. Good question. Sarah, we have five hands up. Tom, okay. go ahead, please. Uh, Hi, Tom. Just a quick question. Uh, when you're working on a contingency basis, does the company you're working with or for, do they pay for workman's comp or do you? Actually, good question. If you are working for a temporary staffing firm, as especially even at a local level or national, um, that would be a question I would ask, but they are required to pay workers' compensation. And um, I would ask that question uh, just to make sure. But what a company, if I'm with um, Amazon and I call up Sarah's temp agency and need some workers, part of what I am going to bill Amazon for is not only the fact that I'm going to pay for Tom to go to work because I got to pay Tom's salary, but a part of Tom's salary as being the employer, you're not going to get a check from Amazon. Your check will say Sarah's temp agency pay to the order of Tom. Then I have extracted your federal taxes, your social security taxes, whatever state taxes, as well as I've also paid the necessary workers comp insurance to my local, you know, whoever my, my, um, particular insurance company. So that's why the burden, it, it's not, you know, the companies realize it's not hand in hand. If I pay Tom $25 an hour, I'm only going to charge you 26. There's no way because I can't afford to do all those things. So that's somewhat the reason why companies go there. So they don't have to incur those, you know, back kind of expenses. That's with a temporary agency. However, if you are a freelancer or you Uh, become a consultant, you're working for yourself or you're doing a DBA, then it's your responsibility. It's on you. But if Kelly Services, ADECO, any of those, they should have workers' comp. So if you are injured while on the job, it's your responsibility to report it to your employer, who would be both the company you're working with, as well as first and foremost, the temporary staffing firm, because their steps and policies they would have to do to put in place to ensure they take care of you. Okay, thank you. And you're welcome. Maria, unmute, please. Hello. Um, This might be covered in Miranda's presentation, so I apologize if I jump ahead, but 
just wondering how is it dealt with as far as um, providing our accommodations? So, for example, I know most employers prefer to have their own copy or their own license for JAWS. But if you're a temp, you know, obviously they don't want to invest in that if you're only going to be there for two or three months. Um, So how does that work? And also, um, should we be advocating more towards the staffing agency when it comes to our accommodations or more towards the employer that would be or the company that would be hiring us? Well, actually... Oh, I'm sorry. Was that Miranda? I was going to say, this is, yeah, this is Miranda. If you'd yep. like me to speak to at least yeah, some of this. I was yeah. getting ready to say, that's a great question that probably Miranda could, could definitely address. So, perfect. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, in my case, um, my, my contingency work is a bit different um, in that my first contingency um, non-volunteer position, I'll kind of dive a little bit more into this in a little while, but um, my first non-volunteer contingency um, <clears throat> position was a paid internship, wherein, um, as Sarah had just uh, spoken about, I was working with a, a temp staffing agency for workman's comp and things of that nature and payment. Um, and then I was working with an actual um, agency, um, human services agency, um, to to serve um, with them as an intern. So what I did with JAWS, um, I actually happened to have my own license. And in order just to make it easier on everybody, because I had a license and I had access to that, um, and I also had uh, vocational rehabilitation services through my state department for the blind, um, they were willing to provide, the, the department for the blind was willing to provide a JAWS license for while I was at the agency. But I said, you know what? I've already got my own license. You really don't need to pay for another one for this for 12 weeks. That's silly. Um, (laughs) And so I used my own license. Um, In my case at the time I had a JAWS dongle. I don't think they, I don't think they issue those anymore. Um, That'd be worth contacting the the vendor to find out. But, um, but that's how I did it. I, I used my own license. Now my current position, I actually do work from home. So, uh, well, I already have JAWS because I already I'm using my own computer. So, um, so that's how I deal with that. As far as accommodations, um, for the first position I was speaking of with the internship, uh, accommodations were done um, amongst myself, my uh, State Department for the Blind, and um, the Human Services Agency that I was interning with. Uh, currently, with my current employer, um, I am actually. In a, in a very different position right now in that I actually do not have a temporary agency, uh, employment agency between myself and my current employer. Um, my current position is actually grant funded um, and um, through a state uh, governing body. And um, so um, I work directly with my employer um, to facilitate accommodation needs. And so I hope that answered your question. Yeah, hopefully that answered. And then just as an add-on, if you were working for a temporary staffing firm, you would start with the staffing firm because they are going to have to communicate directly to an employment uh, or an employer that you will require an accommodation, but they can also express the fact that a perhaps like in Miranda's situation, 
you already have your license or the state will provide that at no cost. Because again, most employers, two concerns is, is how much is this going to cost? And is this going to interfere with proprietary, you know, software and all these things on, on our system? And will who's going to train or do we have to, you know, do all these extra things? So working directly with the staffing firm and making them aware will help ease that burden because they can also, you know, express that to the employer, but also make it easier on the staffing firm. Say, hey, I'd be happy to, you know, allow me to conference call and I can explain how easy of a transition um, the uh, accommodations can be. And and that's even a good thing to ask your uh, vocational rehab um, service counselor uh, going forward if you feel that I'm looking for full-time work, but in the event I find a contingency long-term or temporary type role, could I have the uh, JAWS license that allows for me to use it on more than not just my own personal laptop, that it is transferable if I have a company laptop or, you know, that sort of thing. So you can have that kind of as a portability factor. And then, of course, if you don't use JAWS, you know, there's always the use of NVDA. I'm not sure. I can't speak to the technical adaptation on all those instances, but you can certainly uh, download NVDA. And, and I've even had friends that put it on a, um, on, a, on a thumb drive and just pop it in when they're, you know, visiting at, at someone's office or home and, and use NVDA, pull it back out and not ever miss a lick. So that's another option as well. So hopefully we've answered that question. Okay, Katie, you have another hand? Yes, I got two more. Joey, mm-hmm. unmute, please, sir. All right. Thank you very much. Um, this is the actual first time I've actually had the privilege of uh, participating in one of these calls. And uh, what I would like to know is uh, you've talked about several sites and organizations and so forth in your presentation. Uh, is there a uh, one in particular that seems to work better with those with, who use screen reading software and dealing uh, with those who are visually impaired or blind? And also, since I've got you here as well, uh, do you all have any kind of listserv or anything of that sort uh, that one can post questions to as far as email lists or Facebook groups, that sort of thing that is that are, that are used? Oh, for the employment committee? Yes. Okay, great. Okay. On the employment committee, Miranda, in, in both Miranda and I, we've been, I've been on the committee maybe since last summer. So, and I'm not sure, and I know he's fairly new as well, but uh, I believe if you go to the ACB website and you scroll down with all of the various um, affiliate organizations, there probably is an email and it probably is employment at ACB, whatever that, I, I don't, you know, when you use the email, you never actually read what it is, but I think there is a, a group email that you could probably send any type of inquiry to us. So I would direct you to the uh, main page of ACB and just scroll down till you get to employment committee. And it would come to uh, probably our uh, committee chairperson and they would distribute it to the proper party. On the first part of your question, let me make sure uh, and clarify, are you meaning if it's, if those companies, i.e. Kelly Services, ADECO, if their websites were accessible to uh, screen readers? Is that your question? Um, that's part of it. And the other part of it is working with the companies uh, like in person, as a, uh, for example, if anybody's had experience in that 
uh, sort of regard. Either, either one of those two, uh, whichever one can be answered. Well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, since I really haven't had the you know, a reason to really kind of go on and navigate those various sites, I would like to think that they most of them should be accessible to screen readers. But um, if not, um, most of them have that. Con- I, I totally believe in advocating. Uh, there's usually a uh, contact human resources when you go to their career page and they state any questions, problems, concerns, technical issues. Raise that question if you are finding that some of the tabs and drop down buttons, et cetera, on a, any of the uh, career websites are not accessible. The only way they're going to know is if someone tells them. So I would strongly urge you to, if you do go and find that, let them be aware of that. And as far as as, as companies in particular, it really, I, I can't say that any one particular company comes to mind, but I I love to do research online and there are uh, disability advocate organizations in the country that rank companies that, you know, how you get uh, the best places uh, to work in America, the best places for uh, mothers to work, the best places to work for, you know, work-life, you know, all these various rankings. Well, there are rankings for companies who are uh, best in uh, disability and and inclusion uh, programs where they not only have accessibility tools and equipment, but have hired and make a a strong concerted effort and go through scrutiny, you know, completing out questionnaires and then they rank them. So you can do that. Of course, those are going to be the larger corporations most of the time to medium size, but not necessarily the smaller organizations would be ranked, but that would give you a start. So let's say if, right. if you have a desire, you know, you want to work in telecommunications, then, you know, start with the AT&Ts. And obviously AT&T uh, is partners with, you know, um, uh, um, IRA in, in a lot of their facilities and things of like that. So that would give you an indication that they obviously probably even have a dis- disability uh, or ADA uh representative or person that you can even contact and work directly with. So that would be my recommendation on that. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us too for the first time. Yay. Jeff has his hand up. Um, I kind of have been down the road of uh, going to a temp service to find employment and using screen reader is much, much more invasive in the computer system than just a screen reader than just magnification. And Oftentimes, corporations just are very reluctant to let uh, rehab services for the blind or myself load in a screen reader into their network because they're very um, paranoid of, you know, viruses and that type of thing. So I think that's, number one, that's a huge barrier. And also, I've just... Um, when when you're using a temp service, you have to sell yourself twice. You have to sell yourself to the temp service and have them willing to take you on. And then they have to sell you to the end user. And then you have to sell yourself to the end user. It's not just like a person with normal vision just walking in and doing the job. There's, you know, screen meters don't work well with most um, custom-made pro- pro- proprietary software. You know, if it's not a if it's not an office product, it's probably going to need some some kind of uh, customization to make it work. So the employer needs to be okay with that. And I just find that temp services 
don't have the ability to deal with that kind of nuance. So I've kind of given up in that direction myself. Okay. Now tell me, would these uh, national temp services or more local or regional temp? Terms? Well, like like Apple One, I I believe was was called Apple One. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess they're nationwide. Yeah, I, I've heard of them. Um, uh, definitely. Well, all I can attest to is it, it's got to be a case by case basis, and I, I'm, I, I'm I can personally having been on the HR side, as well as also on the contract side. I currently do contract work for a very, like a three-person office staffing agency that has, when I say off the shelf, it was probably in the back room with dust on it. That is the applicant tracking system. And I have been able to utilize, uh, I started out with um, using Magic uh, as the screen reader. I've used JAWS on it. And then I am currently using Narrator uh, in navigating. Now, I must admit, sometimes all of the buttons and things was not accessible. But those are things that I've learned to work around and even have had the opportunity since I've worked with the company uh, a little while that I've connected with the software individuals and brought that up. And they've uh, obviously made attempted to make some uh, minor accommodations so that some of the things are uh, legible uh, with the screen readers. So, uh, but what I find having come from the HR community, what will sell a company is they need to know who else has used this particular screen reader without a problem. And if they need to know who that is, there is an organization called, uh, I believe it's called BL Business Leaders Network. And it's a national organization. And most of those organizations also have uh, local uh, chapters. If they have companies who have hired individuals with disabilities, they are successful. They are strong advocates for other employees to uh, other employees to utilize it. So if I were to go into a competitive company, a grocery chain, and I know for a fact that ABC grocery chain has hired individuals with disabilities, including, you know, within the blind community, then I'm going to let that company know and say, well, I know for a fact you're one of your competitors have been hiring and have been working with individuals with disabilities. And I, you know, the, the HR person, you know, is so-and-so, or feel free to contact that HR person to see how well it does. And I always start at the top. If IRS and the federal government can use temporaries, and how much more data sensitive are you getting in my information, then okay. So it's up to that company. But once they find out, oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, being able to come in with a little bit of extra ammunition and saying, I I can understand your concern or trepidation, but here's a few companies within our local community, hospitals, et cetera, that are currently doing that. Because believe me, there's a lot more out there, but if they don't know it, then they're going to obviously err on the negative side. But you are right. It is about selling. But when you're looking for a job, you're also selling yourself to multiple layers. So if I've got to sell myself twice, so be it. I got to sell myself twice. We have two more hands, and it's just to give you an idea. It's 811. Phone okay. number ending in 978, please. Unmute yourself. Uh, hi, I'm, I'm Harry. I'm calling from Philadelphia. Uh, most of my work has been in government. Um, so learning the corporate culture and dealing with that sort of thing uh, is quite, would be quite an adjustment. Um, besides that issue, um, 
a lot of companies and like for conferencing, they want to use glue jeans or other closed circuit type of uh, system to in order for them to view you and you you know if you can see view them uh, to interact like in a meeting or something. Could you talk about that a little bit? Did you say blue jean? What did you say? Well, there's, there's, I only know of one, um, and it's medical. It's part of the tele, telemed. Telehealth or something. Okay. Yeah. But they uh, use I, all kinds of stuff. Right. Oh, okay. they, they certainly do. And then, you know, therein lies, I mean, you know, uh, a lot of companies use Microsoft Teams, and I find that very, you know, say, it's very frustrating uh, utilizing, um, you know, screen readers, but, you know, it, it's, it's doable, but it is frustrating, but I, I really don't have a list, but, you know, sometimes you're going to encounter those that are not, and there's, you know, no way of knowing that until you actually get in and actually try to uh, work with that. So that could obviously pose a problem, but that's the whole point. If you have the accommodation, sometimes you really don't know until you get into an actual system, you know, if there's some ways to navigate around it. And then I also try to think outside the box. Sometimes some companies may have a little bit of a flexibility where, you know, you could maybe utilize a Be My Eyes or perhaps even an IRA or something like that. I, I really don't know. But again, it's thinking outside the box uh, from, from that perspective to kind of do that workaround. Uh, but you'd have to do a little bit of homework to, to just find out how do they communicate in group meetings and things like that. So, you know, on the other hand, uh, I'll take this next caller and then I want to talk briefly about doing uh, freelance work where you can work from your home and do it more on a project basis, but build up a, uh, um, a list of uh, satisfied companies. So it makes it easier to present to companies where you've kind of built up a track record. So um, uh, I, I wish I could provide you more information. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Sarah. Yes. This is Miranda. Um, can I speak to that a little sure. bit before we jump to the oh, next call? Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, no, go right ahead. Um, so I actually use Teams on a daily basis. Um, and I am a JAWS user. I have no usable vision. Um, I use Teams on a daily basis with my job. Um, I found it to be um, pretty, pretty efficient to navigate. Um, so that's typically what my what my employer and my team uses for communication. Uh, we also do use Zoom depending on the situation. Um, I'll be starting um, an internship uh, for school that uses more of a, um, I would say, HIPAA compliant um, uh, therapy platform. Um, and, but yeah, you know, you're right. It really depends on the system. But yeah, I, I have found Teams, for instance, to be nav- navig- navigable um, okay. with JAWS. Good, good. And then another popular one is WebEx. Um, yeah, I've, I've used that too. Yeah, in WebEx as well. So um, yeah. it, it just really depends. But also a good thing is to get involved in some of the um, uh, support groups. There's uh, the BITS group uh, as a part of ACB. And you pose the question, hey, is this uh, accessible? You'd be amazed what people can come up with workaround. So ask, you know, I believe in ask and ask and ask. So um Okay, next question. Rebecca? Hi, everyone. My name is Rebecca. I'm mother of four. um, This is my first time joining this this particular community call. Um, 
I've been looking for work for three years and I haven't been able to find anything. And I, um, I'm talking to my counselor and she's like, Oh, well you, you, you know, you got to keep trying. And I'm like, well, maybe I should, you know, go back to school, you know, get a, a virtual, a certificate at a you know virtual school. And, you know, that, like I said, I've been having, you know, issues because my counselor doesn't want to pay for the world services for the blind. And then a couple of days ago, I heard back from this place that I had applied to um, the VA hospital. Um, and it was through the lighthouse for the blind. And um, I had gone on an interview about six months ago, but I guess everything was up in the air because someone was supposed to leave and they didn't. And I guess now they left. And so the, the um, person was saying, oh, or, you know, are you still interested in the position? And I said, yes. Um, but I'm, I guess he has to interview a few other people before he gets back to me. So I'm kind of hoping that I get that job, but I don't really know what's going to happen. Um, do you, do you have, um, somewhere where I can go to look at the information that you guys had talked about in the beginning? Cause I, I showed up a little late. I didn't really know about this particular call until the last minute. So can I find the information on the ACB website as far as the, um, the websites that you guys were talking about in the beginning? I am so sorry. I had do not disturb on. And for some reason I got a phone call. So, um, Oh, essentially your question is, um, just for the sake of time, uh, is it, yeah. Is there, you, you, you are possibly going to be contacted, but they're still going through the interview process. Yeah. Um, so I didn't hear. Okay. I guess my question is, um, can I find your information? Like, I guess in the beginning, you guys had talked about different links and websites that we can go to for the contingency work. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. can I find that information on the ACB website since I showed up late? Because I didn't um, know about this particular call. Right. Actually, <laughs> the last um, let me find out if there's a way that we can get some information to Cindy and maybe okay. she can post it or something. But okay. this is okay. my I'm facilitating, so I'm not really sure how they would distribute, you know, additional information. Okay. You know, okay. I'm also then, wondering if this call is being archived and it may be uh, recorded and archived as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that would be a good idea is just to listen to the call all over again. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, uh, I, I'm not sure about that either. But um, Now, what about, um, I believe it was, I'm not sure if it was Maria or Miranda, but someone had talked about a grant. Uh-huh. Yeah, that that was this is Miranda. That was me. I was hi. simply saying that my hi, uh, Rebecca. It's great to meet you. Um, this Good is Miranda, you. and I and I was talking about how my um, my current position is grant funded. Is what I was saying. Okay, so how can you just briefly tell me about the the grant? Um, I'm not at liberty sh- to share that information. As, oh, I see. Um, that <laughs> is um, specific to my position and the company that I work for. Um, and the, um, and the state authority that is sponsoring that grant. So that is very specific to the position that I'm in. Okay. So you don't know if they have grants out there that are maybe similar to, to that one that you have, or, or if they have grants out there for people that are looking for, for the contingency work. It is not specific to me as an individual. It is specific okay. to this position and the position was created um, to fill a need. And so the team that I am on, um, each each of our team members, um, our employment is funded through this grant. Oh, I see. Well, thank you for sharing your, your you know, all your information that was, it was helpful. Oh, thank no, you. Thank you. 
Well, we've got about 10 minutes to go, and I want to make sure I cover this last facet, and that uh, is another form of contingency work, and that's for freelance work, consulting work, um, you know, project-based driven work. And so, and it, it affords that opportunity for you to be the master of your own uh, uh, work and what you want to do when you do it and how much you want to charge. Uh, but there are sites that are specifically catered where you can post your profile. And let's say I'm a, a great uh, copywriter. I, 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 you know, can, you know, I, I have a marketing background and I can write things uh, that will entice someone to purchase, you know, do copy. Then I could, go on those sites and put my profile and companies will post project-based driven work specifically for people to submit um, uh, their either sample work or they look at their recommendations if they've, you know, been on the site and got a lot of, you know, kind of like a Yelp, you know, if you got, you know, 4.5 stars and that sort of thing, then they would uh, negotiate with you, but there is a third-party platform, the, the contracting company. So they don't have your personal information, nor do you, you know that you're working for that company, but you don't have their actual contact. So you're, you know, basically communicating through this platform where you accept the job, uh, they, the companies deposit whatever the negotiated amount for uh, the, the work is. And when you complete it, then, you know, if it's to the company's satisfaction, the funds are released to you. And so this gives people an opportunity to build up that uh, a base of, um, of a proven um, a project so that where um, I, I could approach a company and say, I'd like to see if you have some project work, uh, especially, you know, maybe you want to upgrade your social media campaign. Maybe you want to do some uh, things that uh, I, I've read here that I, I know I'm really good at, um, you know, turning this around. Well, then you can refer to I've done 15 projects in the last six months and got all top ratings and et cetera, et cetera. So it helps one to build that. And you get to bid and, um, you know, um, it, it gives you an opportunity to, you know, sit from the comfort of your home and do what you need to do. Now, it could very well be a situation where you may have to go in and meet, you know, a representative of the company to get an idea of the product or services that they have, but then get a chance to work, you know, on your own. And some of those sites, again, Google, uh, top um, uh, con contracting uh, service companies, but uh, some of the top ones are called Upwork, and all of these are .com, up and in work, freelancer. Dot com. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, home advisors, believe it or not, in the Angie list consist of people that are doing contract work. I mean, you know, home advisors, when you need a handyman or someone to do, you know, whatever you want to do, it's amazing the categories that they have on, on sites like home advisors. But these are, are people that are, are self-employed, so to speak. Uh, another one is guru.com, G-U-R-U.com. Um, and, um, oh, there was one other one that I can't recall off the top of my head. Oh, <clears throat> Fiverr. It's like F I V F I V E R. And that one is more for entry level people because projects can be bid at from $5 and upwards in increments of five. So for example, someone may have a webpage and they want an article, they want a 300 word article. 
Well, they'll put it on on Fiverr and say, I need a 300 word article on, you know, commemorating uh, uh, National Women's History Month. And you accept the bid, you get a little bit more detail, boom, I'll charge you $100 for this 300 word article. Okay, we'll do it. And that's how that kind of is, is work. And then Amazon has something called Mechanical Turk, uh, T-U-R-K, Mechanical Turk. And that's built on projects that has to have some type of human interaction. They may be someone is scanning a receipt looking for certain charges or something. It's, it's a very interesting concept. But all these things you can do and build on your own at your own pace uh, if that's something you want to do without that third party where you are um, getting the money on your own. So I just wanted to kind of inform you of, of that's another aspect of becoming a freelancer. And many companies also, when a, an individual exit the company, they will hire them back as temporary or contractors to come back to work. Uh, and you get a chance to make more money than you did probably when you were there. So we did that a lot in, in some of my companies as well. So five minutes I, left, Sarah. Yeah, I was going to say it's almost about five minutes. If we have any more hands, uh, I'll take uh, any of those other uh, last minute questions. Not yet. Okay. Well, uh, Miranda, did you have anything else um, that you wanted to um, share before we um, close it out? Because I'm trying to think I covered, <clears throat> yeah, a volunteer. Oh, um, sure. Um, yeah, I, then- I can I can touch on volunteering a little bit before we close out. Um, good, good, good evening, everyone. If y'all can hear me. This is Ted. Hello, Sarah. And hello, everyone else. I've been listening through Alexa while my phone's been updating. So oh, I'm keeping it. up with pre- mm-hmm. pretty much all of the... Uh, all of the uh, discussion and decided since my phone came back on five minutes before y'all are finished, I'd like to come in and just say hello and, and let you know I've been listening. Oh, thanks, Ted. Appreciate it. And okay, if there's Mar- anything I can add to, to your uh, broadcast, I'd be more than happy to. I appreciate that. Thanks, Ted. Uh, Miranda, I do want her to expound a little bit more on volunteering because that is so, it's it's so important. Uh, and, and it doesn't just limit itself. A lot of people think, uh, both, uh, you know, nonprofit as well as for-profit companies utilize volunteers. So, <clears throat> Miranda? Sure. So, um, as I mentioned um, at the outset, I'm a graduate student, and so I've been involved in different internships um, through school, um, both in undergrad and um, soon to be during uh, my graduate work. However, I've also engaged in various internships and volunteer opportunities um, outside of my academic requirements as well. Um, in my case, um, much of that was through nonprofit or non-governmental organizations. Um, so um, I am involved in a volunteer opportunity um, as a volunteer crisis counselor through Crisis Text Line, and you can Google that. And um, The training that I received as a volunteer crisis counselor through Crisis Text Line and the volunteer work that I began doing actually in March of last year um, was very instrumental in aiding me to get my current job um, because I went into the interview very confident and feeling as though I could answer the questions that they were going to pose to me. And I felt 
that the interview went well uh, because again, I had received this training and I um, had had at that point volunteered for a few months with Crisis Text Line um, as a crisis counselor. And so that's just one very simple example of how just volunteering a few hours a week um, for even a few months can aid, you know, on top of the other, you know, volunteer and internship work that I had done and on top of my education, um, you know, all of that um, combined uh, to be very, again, instrumental in me getting my current position of employment. Great. And that is so <clears throat> very, very true. And I find that offering to work volunteer takes away a lot of that anxiety and those concerns because, I mean, what have, one, what have you got to lose? I mean, if I'm giving you four hours of my time and, you know, and quickly you can usually pick up if someone's picking up, oh, I didn't realize, you get a chance to bring in all of your uh, assistive technology tools and you put them on display and, and, and you just show them, listen, I can do this just as, you know, uh, efficiently, but give me, you know, kind of good overlay of what you need me to do. And it just really amazes people because in their mind, they can't think of how you're going to do it. So therefore, they're already starting from a, you know, a I, half glass, you know, kind of approach. So it gets, gives an so just be confident in what have you got to lose? Say, hey. We both, you know, <laughs> let's give it a shot and see what, what happens. And let's sit down at the uh, end of the week. I can come in a couple of days during the week. And if it's not working, it's not working. So you could find out it, it's not working for you. But it definitely can lead. Most companies can say, hey, this person's pretty sharp. I didn't realize they could do the things that they could do. Let's keep them on. So that's really what we want you to make sure, you know, you have that opportunity. So most companies feel very easy when you call up and say, who are your temporary or your staffing firms that you work with locally? Who are the, the uh, you know, the, the top ranked ones are the ones that um, you feel confident that you use most frequently. And then that's where I would kind of start. So I had an opportunity to volunteer while I was in school back in uh, 1997 through almost 2000 during the summer for Houston Center for Independent Living while they had a little computer assistive technologies project going on at, at uh, 7,000 Regency Square before they moved. And I hate to, to, to do this, but I think we're right at the bottom half of our hour and we're on the radio. I know. Oh, okay. My apologies. Off right at that time. So I want to thank everyone for uh, joining our call this evening and uh, look forward. Uh, we are going to try to do monthly calls. So we'll have another topic coming up next month. Okay. Very cool. Great. Thank you, Sarah. It was nice listening. Oh, thanks.